It's time for Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM. Welcome to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. You're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. And of course, you could also listen on the iHeartRadio app, download the app, punch in our coordinates, and you can take us with you anywhere you go. We also want to welcome those people listening on other radio stations that now carry Moment of Truth. And if you're listening on your favorite podcast platform or on our SoundCloud, hey, great. Thank you for checking in. It's a pleasure to welcome to the show, I have with me, Samantha Krishnapoli. And she is the founder and executive director of On Canada Project. And that can be found at online at oncanadaproject.ca. It's also on Instagram. We're going to be talking to Samantha about something she got going. It's also associated with the hashtag Flip the Script Canada movement. And we're going to be talking because it's directly related with that. So I'd like to welcome Samantha to the show. Welcome. Uh, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Great. And it is wonderful to have you. And I'd like to tell people a little bit more about you, Samantha. You are a creative problem solver. And obviously that goes to show from what we're going to be talking about today here. And uh, you're actively challenging the status quo, which I'm sure we're going to find out about as well. And you're nearing your completion of your master's degree in health information sciences from Western University, of course, in London, Ontario. And you founded the On COVID-19 Project. And that is now transitioning into the On Canada Project. You like to be called Sam by your friends. You are passionately transitioning your education into action and engaging audiences in conversations about health equity, trauma and violence, and informed care, diversity and inclusion, and system change. And all of those things sound like they're going to be coming up in the conversation we're having today. And you were recently named one of the best health magazine's women of the year in 2020 by Health Hero. So congratulations to you on that. Thank you so much. Yeah, it was, um, I mean, it was really exciting. And all of what you said is true, but sounds weird hearing it all listed out like that. <laughs> anyway, why don't you tell us a little bit about the the On Canada Project, and I guess going back to the On COVID-19 Project, why did you think that was important to start? Yeah, I think there were a couple reasons why I started it. So I think when the pandemic started, I felt like, Every Like we were all, everyone was so scared and overwhelmed and I felt the same way, but I understood everything that was being said on the news and how they were explaining things and all of that. Like it made sense to me. And that's just because I had that context for my education. It's not because I'm smart. It's mm. not because I'm better than people. It's just, I studied that stuff. Right. Um, so that gave me an advantage and having a background in the healthcare system and understanding how these systems intertwine shouldn't be like a prerequisite to making it through this pandemic. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Everybody should be given that sort of base knowledge so that they can make more informed decisions. So I started answering questions on my personal Instagram account. Um, and when I started like the amount of people sending questions, especially earlier on mm -hmm. was just so unbelievable that I knew I had to find a sustainable way to do this um, because there really was a need to like directly get someone to just like check your logic or just double check your homework type of thing. When it came to these, these situations, the project launched for that reason to, to hear and respond to what people need. Um, we're really big on reading our comments, reading our DMs, uh, chatting with our followers 
so that we're facilitating that really two-way function of social media and hearing and responding to the needs of our community. But the reason why the project originally started was because so much of the messaging was directed at people with privilege. You know, it was people who had a backyard, people who had a house, mm. um, people who lived with their like partner and their kids versus lived alone or lived with roommates mm. um, or lived with elderly parents. It didn't really consider multi-generational homes. Um, and all of that messaging just made it difficult to find yourself in the guidelines and in what are in, in what we were told to do because it wasn't speaking to so many of us. It was speaking to just a small niche group of people with privilege mm. and everybody else was left out of the narrative. So the hope for the project was to invite more people in to understand what's going on so that they can make informed decisions because we all deserve that right to information and understanding right now. Mm. And it shouldn't have to be a matter of your educational background or a matter of privilege to navigate this pandemic. All right. Well said. Can you give me an example of the kind of thing that that you, you were uh, referring to there earlier on about what was coming down? And it was kind of like for those people that uh, were maybe in the health industry or, or had some sense of, of what was being talked about. Can you just give us a little sense of what you meant? For sure. So I think like it's just the ability to be able to tailor information because you're because you understand it. So when they're saying something like stay at home. Um, wear a mask, do these things. Like when you have that contextual information of understanding, like, okay, stay at home literally means stay at home, not invite people over, not do that because you understand how the virus spreads. And it's not a matter of, um, it's not a matter of like, you, like if, if you have a health science background, you're not looking, you're not inclined to look for loopholes because you understand that the system is set up that way or the directions are set up that way to protect you. Mm. And I think when you don't have that kind of background, it kind of leaves you confused. Like those people, the people who are, don't have that background, they're intelligent people. They've either studied different things or have really incredible lived experience that lends itself to intelligence. And they just don't have the contextual knowledge necessary to like tailor the information to make sense for their own lives. So when, when they said like, stay at home, um, uh, and, you know, go to your backyard and hang out, like if you need to get outdoors and all that stuff. I understood that it wasn't just, it didn't really matter if I stayed at home, if my roommate did it. Right. Um, so I need to have a conversation and be like, look, like we both share space here. We use the same things. Let's have a conversation about it. Right. Versus like friends of mine that, you know, they're like, well, I'm staying home. My roommate isn't. And, and like, I feel like that's not okay. And I'm not really sure what to do. And like having mm. that confusion and not enough agency, I guess, to like, have those conversations because you're not sure what to draw on. Right. Like you don't have that foundational knowledge. Um, another one is just like, uh, I know a lot of people who are co-parenting right now and there wasn't really a lot of guidance around that. But mm -hmm. if you had the foundational knowledge there around this pandemic, you would be able to tailor the instructions to fit your situation. Right. Um, and that's a place of privilege to be able to tailor that because you have to understand the material to do that. And there hasn't really been a lot of effort put into teaching Canadians how to fish during this time, mm -hmm. as opposed mm -hmm. to just handing all of us fish and being like, do this, do this, do this, right. instead of here's why we're doing it. Yes. Um, 
Here's how to adapt it to your own life. Here's what your personal exposure risk is based on your lived experience. Like that is really tailored messaging that helps everyone find themselves in the language, in the, in the instructions, in this moment, so that they're not left scrambling to figure it out on their own. Right. Nicely said. And I hear exactly what you're saying about that very simple message about stay at home. If 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 that means, oh, OK, I'll stay at home, but I'll have somebody over. Uh, but you're quite right. It, it means that everybody should stay at home. It means exactly that. It should have been further explained that this is what it really means, folks. Yeah, I hear exactly what you're saying. Great. Good point. Um, now, it also sounds, though, like what you're saying is, is, you know, the other thing, and we're hearing a lot, of course, about students, and that ties into why you, in particular, in the information I've seen in, in what you're spreading is for, for, for Gen Z and, and also for millennials and, and people that find themselves at school. Maybe they're, like you're saying, maybe they're sharing a room. Um, maybe they're in a dorm. Maybe they're in a, in a room with four people, or they were. Um, those kind of things. Uh, people that don't necessarily have a backyard, like you were saying, um, those kind of in th- those kind of situations where more information needed to be directed to the people in those situations. Yeah, like it's there's so many there's so many people in like precarious conditions yeah. and in varying degrees of it, um, and to not have that sort of messaging. Like I remember in London, uh, in the city I was living in, I'm pretty sure the mayor, like it was some senior person in our, in our city said something along the lines of like, we'll stop taking public transit to minimize your risk. Mm. And like, that's not an option if you're an essential worker. Sure. And essential workers are not just frontline. Like, like, yeah, there are nurses who are taking the bus and there are doctors who take the bus to work, but there's also people who work in retail, like in, like in super supermarkets and right. at the post office or at a pharmacy that they're going to work every day and and the giving instruction that's like just don't take public like public transit to do it yeah that doesn't that's not really instructions that's like that's such a place of privilege to True say enough. like choose to take your own car and yeah. or like instead of taking public transit. Right. Um, But it's speaking, of course, to those people that have a vehicle, (laughs) right? Right, exactly. And it's just, you know, you're leaving people out of that. And right now, more than ever, every one of us has to feel like the government is doing everything that they can to protect all of us. Mm. There's no room for gaps. Right. Not at this level, not at this point, like a year into it. Like there, it's, you, they have all the information, and at this point, choosing not to protect each and every one of us is an action. It's a choice. It's not we did our best and people slipped through. It's you're choosing to let some lives continue to take risks that other lives you've deemed are too important not to. Mm-hmm. And that's what is so frustrating to me um, because people are trying their best. They really are. I see it every day. I get the DMs from people asking for support. I read, you know, all of the comments. People are trying their best. And to not do everything you can from a leadership perspective to protect them, that's on the leaders. Like, that's 100% on our, like, in in this case, our provincial government um, for not taking that action. And it's so disappointing. 
And, and you, you know, from your perspective, of course, as as someone working and studying in that that health health area, and you're trying to fill that gap by getting this information out there. And as you have seen, you've been receiving those things in the information that you've been getting from your from your messages and from online. So you started to answer some of these questions, and then, of course, I guess this this started to build into a bigger question for you because you saw a gap that was forming. What we began to see is a lot of people sending messages to the account was sort of like, is there, is there something that I'm doing wrong? Mm. Because the messaging we were seeing it from a provincial level in Ontario was, you know, folks, you've got to do better. You've got to stay home. You've got to do this. Not enough people are staying home. Um, why, why are there so many people at the mall? Um, there shouldn't be that many people at the mall. Right. You know, there was all these, this, messaging of like putting the blame on the individual. Right. And that like, there's going to be some people who hear that and go like, that's not fair. You left all these things open. You created all these loopholes and gaps and situations. So of course people are going to take advantage of that because from their head, from their minds, they're assuming that if that's open, it's safe. Mm -hmm. Um, That's on the government for not taking on that responsibility to mitigate that. Right. And prioritizing things like business over our people, like the people. Uh, And the more people who started direct messaging the account, talking about feeling confused because they were like, the government says this and, but they're doing this and they don't align and I don't get it. And like, is it, am I like, am I doing something wrong? Like, why aren't I not why am I not understanding this? And there was just such confusion around it. And like the best feeling I, the best word I can use to describe that is gaslighting mm. because you're, they're, they're saying like, we care, like we're doing everything we can. We're prioritizing your health. We want to protect you, mm-hmm. but then leaving all these giant gaps that people are falling through. Mm. And the more people who started messaging me, the uh, messaging the account, the more frustrated I felt for them that they were experiencing this and, blaming themselves instead of putting the blame where it should go. Mm. And that's on the government right now. Right. I'm not like an anti-government, anti-establishment sort of person. I just can't watch some lives be prioritized over others and have people feel like it's on them that this is happening. That just felt so messed up to me. So what we started developing was a campaign to get people to lean into that frustration instead of converting it into like doubt on themselves and what, what was wrong with them, because there's going to be people who don't believe in the pandemic and do whatever they want. But in my opinion, based on what I'm seeing, the vast majority of people are doing the best they can. And if they're doing the best they can, why isn't the government doing the same? Mm. Okay. You're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. That's 106.5 in Toronto, 95.7 in Ottawa. And if you download the iHeartRadio app and punch in our coordinates, you can take us with you anywhere you go. My guest here on the show today is Samantha Krishnapalai, and she is the founder and executive director of the On Canada Project, which you can find online at On 
canadaproject.ca and on Instagram. You can also uh, go to the other uh, project that she has going entitled uh, the hashtag Flip the Script Canada. And we're going to get into that now. And Samantha, you, you're, you're kind of directing this with the Flip the Script Canada. That's a movement that you're directing towards the young Canadian voices, um, correct? Yeah, um, I think young people... Young people, and I use it super loosely, I, I just think it's like millennials and Gen Z mm. um, that don't often write their MP or their MPP. Mm-hmm. They don't, not all of us engage in politics um, because it's super daunting. Like it's, it's a difficult system to navigate. There's no one to help you understand it. Um, and you're kind of constantly left with more answers than questions when you, when you try to engage in that space. Um, and I think over the last few years, I've been getting to a point of like, who does it serve that it's difficult to engage in? Who does it serve <laughs> that it's not easy for me to connect with a leader and ask questions and get a response that is actually answering my question, not something fluffy or, um, you know, that deflects or dismisses what I'm asking. Like, who's, who does it serve that those are the way that's the way that people in those leadership roles, answer questions. And it's because it's not serving me when you answer like that. And it's not serving my friends or my peers or anyone really who tries to engage in those spaces. Mm. And that's what I wanted to do with this Flip the Script uh, campaign was one, remind people that our elected officials, their job is to represent you, your issues, your community. That's their job. They work for us, not the other way around. Right. So, but that's somewhere along the line that went missing Mm -hmm. um, where we're begging to get the attention of our elected leaders instead of them scrambling to get ours. (laughs) I like one of my personal pet peeves is I know come like this year, next year, there's going to be a provincial and a federal election. Mm. People are going to ask volunteers to individually call people asking them to vote. Right. But where was that mobilization for vaccines? Mm. And I think that's what to me, or like anything around the pandemic, right? Why weren't we getting personal phone calls asking us, how are you doing? How do you, how are you navigating this? What experiences are you dealing with? It's not just election time when they should be reaching out to us. It's every single day because they work for us. They represent us. And if they're not doing more to engage with us, to hear us, to champion us, then they shouldn't be in that job. Nicely said, all of that. Very nicely said. And I'm sure a lot of people out there hearing what you just said would agree with it wholeheartedly. And it is true. They do work for us. And it shouldn't be that difficult for us to get a hold of these people. And a good question that you said right off the top. Who does that serve? Uh, it doesn't take much to really think about or answer that if we if we just give it a couple of minutes. So you started the the campaign, uh, Flip the Script. And and now, how? When did you when did you launch that? Um, about a week ago. Okay. Um, and basically what we did was we were like, look, let's make it easy. Let's explain why they should do this. So we gave them the reasons why we reminded people that they work, that our elected officials work for us mm-hmm. and that it's their responsibility to voice our concerns. We put together um, templates uh, of what an email could do and people can modify that just so that it was a little less overwhelming to kind of mm-hmm. lay it all out there. Yeah. Um, and we help people find 
the websites that would like tell them who their elected leader was or is because mm. they don't like not all of us know that off the top of our head. Sure. Um, so we put all of that together on our website uh, on CanadaProject.ca backslash uh, challenge. And that's sort of what we laid out. And we told people to go and do it. And we used pop culture references. We used fun messaging. We asked people to ask friends to take part in it. We really pushed it. And we saw like such a spike on our website of, um, of people actually participating in it. And I think that was really fulfilling to my soul because, you know, you can build all of this and you can tell people to do it, but it doesn't, if they don't go to it and they don't do it, it's kind of, you know, disappointing, but Mm. seeing over, I think 6,000 people in the first few days went on our website and um, we're hoping from there, like, you know, did the actual step of contacting their elected official um, is really, really exciting to us. Right. Now, you, one of the things you just pointed out earlier is is, all, is also that young people don't necessarily always reach out to their MPs or the, their people in Parliament that represent them. And so by doing this, I'm sure that you made people feel a lot more about helping themselves and helping others by doing something and reaching out and getting involved. The other thing is that you started to hear answers, though, from some of these young people uh, mm-hmm. when they started to reach out. Yeah, so people started sending us screenshots of responses they were getting. Mm. Um, so, as we know, like the, the uh, all the other parties, with the exception of the Conservative Party in Ontario, um, was really f- for the paid sick leave and all, a lot of the stuff that we're saying. And it's really our majority government um, that has been difficult to engage with. Um, that's not to say that other elected parties aren't difficult at, at different points in time to engage with. But right now, in this moment, that's what we've been seeing. And people have been sending us screenshots where they've sent an email, you know, explaining why they want their elected official to take, like, take action and, you know, describing that they work for them and all of that stuff. And the response is stuff along the lines of like, can you send us your address so that we know you're actually a constituent? Can, uh, just so you know, the federal government has screwed up. So like, it's not really on us or mm. um, at this, or like in my case, I still haven't heard back from my elected official. I've sent several emails. Mm. Um, and that like boggles my mind because here you have an individual reaching out and asking a question. Right. To then be like, mm, I'm only going to help you if you can prove where you live yes i understand that i understand why they're saying that but it actually doesn't make sense because do you think that there are people out there just like randomly emailing mpps like this is an individual who has reached out to you for support as their elected representative and your response is i'm going to need some proof of where you live in order to give a response and then once they do give proof the response is basically a dismissive um like deflecting onto other parts of the, like our government structures or like, it's just, it, or, or like very vague re- like responses. So it's not really answering the question. And it's like going through all these motions of, of, of a performance almost um, that leaves people feeling even more frustrated. And I, I 
like in response, what our account did was put together a post being like, look, if you've contacted your conservative member of parliament and got some sort of like political BS response, don't be discouraged. And just sort of laying out why they need to think about the, like why they're not going to get, or sorry, reminding them that they're not going to get honestly, like any sort of helpful response from them, but that isn't the point. The point of emailing them, the point of making noise is hoping that they will take that to their closed door meetings to be like, so many people have emailed me. We need to do something about this. Right. Um, because the response is not going to be one that makes us feel valued or seen because that really hasn't been their style um, as elected officials. Mm. But perhaps there will be a small thing in their head that makes them wonder, maybe I'm not going to get reelected mm-hmm. um, if if this many young people are sending me emails now. Right, right. And they're all upset. Yeah, well said. Uh, very well said. All of those points. And the fact is, the fact is, though, that, that during these difficult times, it's not the kind of response you would think you would, would receive is, you know, prove to me that you're in my constituency and I'll answer your question during a, a COVID pandemic from a, an elected official that you're trying to get an answer from. For sure. I think like government in general should really take a no wrong door approach. Um, and that's where a bit of that like trauma and violence informed care stuff comes in for me, where you don't know what people's experiences have been from wherever they came from, from their lived experience or whatnot to engage and ask questions with their with any like government funded resource, when somebody reaches out a hand, the role should, the response should not be, Oh, this is not the thing you're asking for. doesn't match what I'm doing. So I'm just going to throw you away to Mm. figure it out on your own. Mm. It should be a, Hey, I'm not the right person, but here is the right Right. person and connecting them to that. Yes. Or, or here's at least an answer for you. Um, But you know, Hey, you know, uh, just to make sure that you are in our area and you're not talking to the wrong person, let me know where you live. And if if it's not, if you are here, great. If not, I'll direct you to the right person. You know, something that is, that, right. you know, something that is warm, something that is engaging, something that is human. <laughs> it's compassionate. And I yeah. think that's, that's the thing that's been missing throughout is compassionate communication. Like you, that's, that's what our account really prides ourselves in is that we're meeting people where they are. We are speaking in, um, a way that we don't think we're better than people. We're thinking that we're figuring it out alongside them. Mm. Um, and we see the people we're speaking to as peers, not as less than or more than just people who are on this journey through this chaotic time together. And when you approach it like that, when you see the person on the other side as an equal and not from a, and not like a place of power and privilege or weird, like all of that, mm. you're, you communicate with compassion because you care about them. But when you don't communicate with compassion, you're, you're making a decision um, and a a choice to not value that person as much. Wonderfully said, Samantha, I want to thank you for taking the time to share all of this on our show today. And, I also want to mention if people go to the website at oncanadaproject.ca, you're also looking for contributions and you can find out a lot more about the the whole project, the work they're doing, the resources, how to take action. But also they're looking for uh, donations that I'm sure they need uh, to, to keep this going. 
Samantha, it's been wonderful speaking with you, and I wish you all the best, and I hope uh, you'll stay in touch with us because it would be great to have you back on. We'd love to hear how this is, is advancing and how we can help you uh, get that message out there. Absolutely. It was a pleasure being here. Thanks for creating space for our, our project. You bet. That is the voice of Samantha Krishnapoli, and she is the founder and executive director of the On Canada Project, which you can find at oncanadaproject.ca online as well as on Instagram. And don't forget about the hashtag flip the script campaign that's going on as well. Uh, And uh, you can find out more by going there. It's been a pleasure to have her on the show. Don't go away. We're going to be right back with more right here on Moment of Truth on Element FM. Now back to Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM. Welcome back to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. You're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa, 106.5 in Toronto, 95.7 in Ottawa. And of course, on the iHeartRadio app, download the app, punch in our coordinates, take us with you anywhere you go. Well, it is a pleasure to welcome to the show a new guest. We haven't had him on before. Well, we've had lots of new guests on the show, of course, over our last three years. But Just Isaac is the name of this particular guest, and he is a six-time Canadian boxing champion, including a two-time Golden Glove championship, as well as an actor, recording artist, and motivational speaker. And I think we're going to hear something about all of that today here on the show, because he's got a new book out. It is entitled Think Fearlessly. It's a book that is rooted in the author's heart and bounded by the and and cultivated in his faith. I know that's something else we might talk about as well. Uh, professional background and the passion that it took to rise to the top. So it is a pleasure to welcome Just Isaac to the show. Welcome. Hey, David. Thanks for having me on today. It's it's, it's my honor to be here. It's my pleasure, as I said. Now. Uh, Isaac, I know that you were you were raised in New York City. I understand. It was actually I was actually raised in um, Western New York. Most okay. of my life in Western New York. Yeah. Um, you know, right in the heart of right in the heart of Buffalo, East Side of Buffalo, and Jasper Paris Projects is where I grew up. Okay. And and then and then I came to Canada through boxing. Okay. Mm-hmm. And and so how did that work? How did you get into Canada through the boxing? Angle. Well, what ended up what ended up happening was that you know I set some goals and um, and uh, when I came over to Canada, um, I, I was training and I set some goals to to be you know to win some championships. And I'm cutting a whole lot out of the story just for time's <laughs> sake. But I I, I, I had a um, you know a vision and a purpose to become champion, and uh, eventually I ended up becoming national champion. Um, for Canada. Now, I did win. I won a national title, mm-hmm. two Golden Gloves titles, um, three provincial titles, and um, I got my Canadian citizenship because I was in a national team for Canada, representing Canada. Mm. And um, I traveled the world and, and fought against the best, the best in the world. Had a, it was a great opportunity. The perception of anyone that is in that kind of field or anyone, I guess, to some degree that has reached a a very high elite level is that they're not humble. They're not, you know, they don't have humility. They have a very strong sense of themselves. They think highly of themselves and that's what allowed them to get there. Right. Um, Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think that, I think that um, this is just my personal view Mm. from, from my limited understanding when it comes to humility 
versus arrogance. Mm. I, I, I think that arrogance is a false pretense. That's thinking of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. But in that in turn, I don't think of humility as something that um, that involves us putting ourselves down. I don't think that humility involves us putting right. ourselves down. Right. I think that humility is admitting the truth and living by it. Mm. You know, and and I think that there needs to be a balance. You know, and there's a a distinction between um, being confident and overconfident. Obviously, you know, what I'm saying, but I, I I really believe that we have a, many of us have a misconception of what it means to be humble mm. or or to walk in humility. Mm-hmm. You know. That that's my that's no. my humble opinion, <laughs> you know, so to speak. No, that's it's, it's like. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was gonna say it's like you know even, um, you know, there there was a man by the name of Yeshua that walked the earth, Jesus, Simone that's Jesus. We have a perception of of this man. He said, "I am the way, the truth, and the life." If anybody else said that, it would be arrogance. Mm. So he, he had an um, he had an awareness of his identity, right. and I think that we as we as people, um, in order to operate in the function to the capacity that I believe that we have been created and, and designed to to be, I believe that we 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 have to we have to have an understanding of who we are, right? As 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 individuals, that understanding of who we are. I'm wondering about yourself. I know I I saw a, a few clips and interviews that you had done. You talked about um, a, a, being in a classroom, the teacher asking you all what you wanted to be, you know, and and you, a lot of students gave the usual answers, you know, fireman, et cetera, et cetera. You said you said a championship boxer, and and the teacher said that will never happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now I'm just wondering yeah. about did you know. Is that is that what you're talking about? Knowing yourself, because you also talked about the fact that, um, and you gave the example of one day you you just you were playing a game and you were you were, and you just asked yourself, "Who am I?" and "Who is God?" and then that started making other questions come out for you, and you ended up going to walking down to the church at age seven years old and going in there and mm-hmm. sitting asking questions, um, and and then. Was that part of finding yourself? Is that is that the at that age when you were starting to find yourself? Yeah, I think that um, there are different experiences that we have, different circumstances that that you know that we've been through, different things we've experienced. Um, you know, I believe that we have been um, we have things that we've in, um, done in life, um, and I don't think that that necessarily defines us as a whole as far as our identity. I mean, we do the best that we can to, to break it down, <laughs> by mm. break down who we are as, as people. But who I am is, is not necessarily, you know, I, I believe that we can be multidimensional. You know, we can have different sides to us. And, um, you know, th- there, there does not need to be limitations um, put on us as far as, who we are as well. I think that, so what I'm trying to say is when um, someone asked me who I am, um, I could say that I'm, yes, I'm, 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 a, ch- I'm a champion. Um, I'm a writer. I'm a, I'm a this and I'm a that. I'm a writer. I'm a, you know, I'm a recording artist. But however, 
there, to sum it all up, I would say that we can be um, multidimensional and defining who we are with one word is almost impossible. It's almost impossible to define mm. ourselves with one word. Mm. Um, so, you know, our, it's, it's kind of complex when sure. it comes to defining who we are. But knowing who we are, um, we have to understand that there's going to be different parts of us. And it's okay for us to be different. It's okay for us to, to be multidimensional, so to speak. To what extent was your upbringing in terms of and your focus on the idea to become a boxer and the coaching that you received and having those right. those resilient comments from others around you helping to uh, build up and reassure the goals that you were trying to achieve. How important is that, do you think, for people to have? Oh, it's very important. I mean, we're susceptible to suggestion by the words that we speak. Mm. Words are so powerful. They shape and mold our lives. Mm. The words that we speak, you know, they, 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 the molecules are waiting for the opportunity to just adjust, to accommodate. <laughs> you know, I believe that, um, that the power of life and death is in the tongue. And when we speak mm. what we speak, we need to be mindful that um, we can speak life or we can speak death. Yeah. So I, I, I have a, um, a, str- a strong belief as well is that there are times when people that, that speak negative um, over a vision or a purpose, that can cause us to, to terminate that vision or that purpose. Whatever it is, that, the vision that we have, that's why we need to be careful of the people that we share it with. You know, we can't share everything with everybody. That's not wise. I believe that, um, you know, we need to use wisdom when it comes to having a vision or having a purpose, something that we desire to do. Because not every, there are dream killers that exist. Mm. <laughs> there are real dream killers. Mm. They don't mean to be that way at times. They may not even be intentional. Mm. But I, I believe that we just need to be mindful of that and understand that what we believe we are is what's most important. What a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So whatever it is that I'm thinking about myself, it will eventually manifest itself. Right. Right. You're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. This is Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. My guest is Just Isaac. He's a six-time Canadian boxing champion, including two-time Golden Glove champion, He's an actor, recording artist, and motivational speaker, and now author. We're talking about, uh, and to him, about a number of things, and we're leading up to talking about now this Thinking Fearlessly, his, his book that is rooted in the author's heart and abounded by and cultivated by his faith and professional background and the passion in it that took to rise to the top. And so, Isaac, the, the idea of your book, Thinking Fearless, thinking fearlessly and wanting to share that to help motivate and help to uh, show people ways that they can move forward in their own life. Why did you think it was important to come out and, and, and do this for people? Well, to be honest, I mean, when I, when I had this, um, the idea of the book, I was already writing before the, um, there was, a, there was a, um, an opportunity for me out West mm. To, uh, to, to run a television show, to mm. host a television show. Right. And I would actually have some input with the dynamics of the show as well. And what ended up happening was the pandemic hit. 
So when the pandemic hit, um, everything was shut down. <laughs> there's there's one of those. Is that one of those dream killers you were talking about? <laughs> oh, man. Yes. I was, I was, you know what? And when it happened, Dave, I'm going to tell you, David, I, I went through a week of just being down emotionally. Mm. And then I had to, I had to come to grips. I had to eat my own words. It, mm. it was like, man, this is what you call divine intervention. Mm. You know, uh, what I believe is divine intervention. And I had that thing called internal impression mm. where I felt like, I felt like my whole world, not my whole world, but the, the goals and the vision that I had, everything had crumbled right before me. And I said, what am I going to do mm. after a week? And I know that, you know, we often get in positions like that in life. It happens where we say, what am I going to do mm-hmm. now? Right. And one thing that I've always said, not always said, but when I understood this principle, I began to speak it, that we need to have a purpose that is greater than ourselves. So if I have a purpose that's greater than myself, I can deal with the hurt, I can deal with the pain, I can deal with the frustration, I can deal with disappointment, and I can push forward through the obstacles that are before me, through adversity. So what ended up happening was I started writing the book. I started writing, and I got halfway through the book, Dave, and I felt like, I felt so scared. (laughs) I'll be honest, I felt fear. Fear gripped my heart. I'm like, wait a minute, I'm writing all this stuff about me. Mm. I've always been a private person. Mm. But then I got to a place where I said, you know, I had to make a decision. I was at a crossroads. And, and I was halfway through the book and I said, um, I could either, you know, protect my image and stay private or I can speak something into someone else's life by sharing my experiences and, 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 and my ideas. My, I, I, and I just, I'll be honest with you, it was one of the hardest things that I've done. Mm. And I continued to write the book. And I'm getting a little teary-eyed right now thinking about it <laughs> because I've, I've poured myself into this project. I've mm. poured myself into this with the, with, with the hopes of, of causing manifestations of, of, of great manifestations in people's lives. Mm. And that manifestation will come as the greatness that's revealed within us, you know, is, is manifested. So I, uh, you know, I finished the project, finished Think Fearlessly, and uh, I just, um, I'm just looking now, but when I think back, you know, that's a, that's a testimony for me mm. that, you know, that, and it, and it was, and I can honestly say that it, this is not about me, that, you know, I, I believe my faith, my faith in God is what gives me the strength to do what I do, you know, because when I was on that one week when I was down, I'm going to tell you, something was rolling. And I'll be honest with you, I might sound a little weak to some people, but what was rolling was tears down my face because I didn't know what I was going to do. Mm. And, and when I was on my knees, I said, God, you got to help me. You got to help me. What what am I supposed to do with my life? Mm. And um, And I'm so thankful that the answer came. 
Well, you know, as you were describing that process about feeling the fear and feeling uh, what to do next and about uh, the loss and, and all of those things, uh, in terms of what we were talking about prior to this, about being humble and being all of those things and, and et cetera, et cetera, the title now, Think Fearlessly, makes perfect sense to me from what you just described because you had to think fearlessly about yourself in order to complete right. that book because you got stuck and you go, you were saying to yourself, which way should I go with this? Mm, yes. And Dave, it's an ongoing process. Mm. You know, I, I think that one of the greatest fears that many people have is, is when we have to have to look at ourselves, right? We have to, look, we, we get to look at ourselves and, you know, in this book, it's, it's more about, um, it, it causes us to reflect it causes the reader to reflect. It caused what I'm writing is just cause it was causing me to really reflect on my life and where my life is evolving and also the people around me. You know, and having a greater awareness of of what it is that that causes what is it the triggers? What are the triggers? What is it that, that causes me um my my manifestation of greatness to be delayed? What is it that causes me to feel positive to feel in the way that you know what that i'm going to advance you know and i'm going to have production and functionality everything is going to work together and the dots connect you know when we sit and we reflect and, and able to strategize i i'm just so thankful that that the answers came to me you know and and when we do stuff again and again and we have we make accomplishments you know and I've made I've made a few accomplishments. I'm thankful that I'm understanding the process a little bit more, mm. or what to do in the midst of the process. Mm. Even if I don't understand the process, I can understand what I need to do in the midst of the process. And the the greatest asset. To, when we're going through adversity and we're going through obstacles, when we're in the process, when we're being, you know, it feels like fire, mm. just burning everything out. Where, where do I, I can't even see up or bottom. Mm. When we're in the midst of that, in the process, if we keep a good attitude, we keep the right attitude, something beautiful is going to transpire. <laughs> You know, I'm just reading over some of the information that, that you sent out around the book and about Think Fearlessly, and uh, it takes issues uh, that life bring to us, and it says, it's important to step outside of ourselves and know that there is something bigger than ourselves to cope, and you referred to that earlier. A very personal choice, but that one that allows us to move forward, of course, and that you say, we are free to be the best we can be whatever the circumstances. And we've talked about fear, and fear, and that's right in your title, Think Fearlessly. Fear, mm -hmm. of course, holds people back. It holds us back from so many things because that fear gets hold of our thinking, doesn't it? And it just, it, it, man, it just explodes real fast. It's, it, it, mm -hmm. it can really, it can so easily take us over. But have you found from your own experiences and from, from when facing fear and taking that step you know, that first step against fear, that, mm -hmm. that, that it's, the, it's the, just that once you take that first step, the fear is less than what you thought it was going to be? Yeah, 
you know, what, what you just said made a lot of sense. And, you know, there are times when we, when we're thinking, what should I do next? Or what, what is it that I have to do to achieve this, this goal? What is it that I have to do to make this right? You know what, what is it that I have to do to step into what it is that I desire? And sometimes it, it, the, the process or the first, um, the first choice is not going to make sense, mm. but we need to make some choices. We need to, we just make a choice, make a decision and do something, become active in what it is that, you know, towards what it is that we are, we desire to do or desire to see, take a step, even if it doesn't make sense. We may not have it all figured out. We may not have it all figured out. That's okay. It's okay. That's part of the process. You mentioned earlier about keeping the right attitude, Mm. you know, in the midst of, um, you know, stepping into something that we desire. So, hey, the first step sometimes is the hardest step. Mm-hmm. But, we, but, we, but we get to, not that we have to, we get to make that choice. Mm. We, have, we have been given the power of choice. Yeah. Now, the other thing it says, if you have a dream, you must do the work. That, Of course, you must do the work. You must believe in yourself and your ability to get it done against all odds. Now, against all odds is one of those statements to me that it makes sense. But what that, what that really means is, when what you were just saying, we have a choice and you have to make that ultimate choice, right? The, every individual has to make that, that individual choice to do the steps and, and, and against all odds. And that means mm. your own thinking, the fears of your own thinking that are, that you're, you mm. can't succeed or whatever it is. And, and to maybe look at that to say, well, maybe the experience itself is just going to be the success of this. You know, maybe I won't succeed, but I'm going to learn something out of this. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I agree with that a hundred percent. And you know, there, there, there are times, there are times that, you know, we start something or we and we finish it before the time <laughs> that we're supposed to finish it because of fear. Mm. You know, I, I think that um, we we need to to give ourselves some grace and give ourselves some some um, some leeway. Give ourselves a little bit of mercy. Why mm. do I say that? Because many times, if we do something that's working towards our goal, we get discouraged if we mess up or if we fail at one of the the stepping stones towards reaching that desired place mm, mm. um you know we're not failures because we fail i often say this that we're failures only if we accept failure as final so we get up we give it another try mm. you know if, if if it if it didn't work the first time then we try again mm. or we try a different angle mm. you know but but just giving up and walking away from it sometimes it could be haunting there are times in life when we're supposed to walk away mm. you know and and that and that in itself, we better know when it's time to walk away. Mm. You know, as far as boxing is concerned, I've walked away from boxing. As far as me fighting, I'm not I'm not comp- competing any longer. I know I know <laughs> I better walk away. <laughs> I better walk away right now because I don't want boxing to retire me. As Flo- as, as as Floyd had often say, you know, he, he retired from boxing. Yeah. You know, you look at boxes. You know, I was given an opportunity to turn professional as well when I was out West and um, to join the team. And I, I just said this, I mean, I listened, 
I listen to the to the inner voice. I listen to, mm. you know, I believe once again that internal impression. And I I, I always I, I try to pray and ask God to lead me, mm. lead me, show me mm. what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do in this case? And and I listen, and you know, um, boxing for instance is a it's a very brutal sport. It's brutal because of what happens to the brain. Mm. I'm thankful that I still have you know, some functionality in my brain that I could keep a conversation. <laughs> we wouldn't be doing this interview if I had to finally continue to fight, you know, because the, the fight game, you know, it, it, it's, it's brutal. Mm. It's very brutal. Sure. But it was something that I did for a period of time. And I'm thankful that I had the opportunity, the opportunities that, that I have and the things that I've learned from boxing. I have okay. so much more to learn in life. Right. Cool. Um, Isaac, we're, we're just going to wrap up. I'm just wondering, uh, you know, besides the book, Think Fearlessly, which people can get on Amazon and Barnes & Noble, uh, they can also follow you on Instagram at, at Just Isaac and also at uh, on Facebook at uh, just.isaac.9 if people are, are thinking about it. You've got the book. You've got other things going on, as we talked about, the recording, the acting, the motivational speaking, all of those things. Uh, what's coming up for you in the future? Anything? Uh, are you looking beyond COVID-19 at this point? Oh yeah, um, I've I've been involved in um, in acting for 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 quite some time now. You know, at least a few years with the acting, and um, I'm not sure if you've seen the, the television show Fear Thy Neighbor. Not in my yard was the episode that I, that I played in. That mm. was the last role that I landed, last lead role that I have. Mm. I've been um, I've had the most miraculous thing happen. Uh, I've connected with a man by the name of Mark Caruso. Mm. Mark Russo has done uh, multiple films. I believe he ha- has over 100 films. Mm. Um, many, many people know of him and in, in the, the films that he's done. Um, he's done theater as well. And um, he basically has taken me on to, to give me some coaching. And it was something very, very um, spectacular that happened. Just the other night, we were having a class. And he was, it's a one-on-one thing. And uh, through a Zoom meeting. And we were, we were in the middle of the class, and he said to me, my, my monologue, I had to do my monologue, but I'm in the middle of this, this campaign, you know, with, uh, you know, speaking about thinking fearlessly mm. and talking to people about it. So he, he mentioned to me, he says, we're going to get into the monologue. And I said, okay. Well, in the back of my mind, I knew, because I've been so busy with interviews and, you know, doing different things in pre- pre- preparation for thinking fearlessly, the book, the project, he said to me, um, we got to do the monologue now. I said, I feel ashamed right now. He said, why do you feel ashamed? My eyes begin to fill up. You know, I said, I haven't even got to the monologue and we're supposed to be working on my acting. Mm. He said to me, he looked at me and he said, you know what? He didn't look at what I didn't do or what I wasn't doing. He says, this is what we're going to do instead. And it was so encouraging. And this, what this taught me, the lesson that I learned in this is that even us as mentors, if we're mentoring someone, to have some grace mm. and not necessarily point people towards what they're not doing, but let's point people towards what we need to do. So I'm excited about the acting. There are projects that are ahead of me. And um, I look forward to stepping in and landing some lead roles. My next goal is to win an Emmy or an Oscar or both. 
<laughs> All right. Nice. Good goals. Thank you. Thank you, Dave. It's been a real pleasure speaking with you, Isaac. I want to thank you for taking the time to join us on the show and talk about your book, Think Fearlessly, as well as the other things that you've got going on. And I'm sure that the things that we have talked about in and around your life, uh, people are going to find out by reading the book and gain that encouragement for themselves to take steps for their own lives as they want to move forward, as you have. Thank you. I really appreciate you having me on the show, David. And uh, also, the, just to note, the, the Instagram is just Isaac J.I. Right. Just Isaac J.I. J-U-S-T-I-S-A-A-C. Right. J-I. <laughs> okay. Appreciate that. Yeah. All right. Well, listen, uh, Isaac, all the best in the future. Thank you so much again for taking the time to join us and uh, really a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you, David. All right. You take care. Thank you. You too. God bless you. Likewise. And that is Just Isaac. You can get his book, Think Fearlessly, on Amazon as well as on uh, Barnes & Noble. And uh, check him out, as he mentioned, online, Facebook at just.isaac.9, as well as Instagram at justisaacji. And that is this part of the show. In fact, that is the show for today. Thank you for listening to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses, and we'll see you again tomorrow. This has been Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM.